The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? <laughs> well, I mustn't have been paying attention boop, boop. When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question? Just be like Paul and go, cha-cha-cha. I didn't want to be exactly like him. Yeah, I wanted to add my own yeah, little flavor to it. Paul is like so corny because he's still living in the 70s. And it's kind of cute. Like I mock him, but it's kind of cute. He's adorable. He is, he's, he's our adorable. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, my name is Tom Duggan. We are on the Paying Attention podcast. We're uh, doing a little late today. I actually tried to cancel the show. Mr. Jonathan wouldn't let me do it. Um, said it would be bad for our ratings and our That's advertisers. Right. And I think he's right about that. So I decided to come in as busy as I am. Just because I love you guys, and that's really what I'm all about. Um, we are going to talk about a number of things today. Paul is not with us. Maddie's not with us either. Um, so you took in the C team. Yeah. No, no. This is the A team, really. <laughs> uh, so we have the voice of God, Mr. Jonathan. Now, normally you hear his voice, but you don't get to see what he looks right. like. So if you're watching on YouTube, you actually get to see what he looks like today. <laughs> oh, God. I Hopefully was, I'm living up to everyone's expectations. I was hoping to get through the whole show without coughing into the mic, but I... Guess that wasn't going to happen. Um, I've been told I sound like I'm 350 pounds. Real? No, I don't think so at all. I'm just telling you what people say. No, no, no. They're always surprised to see that I'm not 350 pounds. Right. So I don't know if you've been following all the the, the debauchery in Methuen. Uh, we're we're going to talk about like state and national stuff uh, shortly, but we we would be remiss to do a show without talking about the corruption and the problems and the conflicts in the city of Methuen. They are the uh, state scorn right now. They're in the Boston papers uh, because they just, quite frankly, don't have their flipping act together. And, um, you know, everybody's kind of blaming the police because the police are making so much money and there was a contract that nobody supposedly looked at. Well, if, if I offered to pay you more money, would you consider anything else except for your bottom line? No. No, there's nobody saying, oh, no, no, please don't pay me more money because that's going to come from teachers. Nobody's saying that. Especially since their job is to get shot at right. for a living. Right. Yeah. Look, if I had my way, I'd take $10 million more from the schools and give it to the police. I don't, I don't, quite for, Tim Wood asked me on his show a couple of weeks ago, he said, you're not for this contract, are you? And I said, no. And then he moved on. I was waiting for him to ask me why. Yeah, a little follow-up. Because, be nice. because my answer would have been, I don't think they're making enough. Right, four hundred and something thousand dollars for a captain might be too much, but you know maybe four hundred thousand for the patrolman getting shot at would be a good idea. Yeah, and when you make it to captain, you get a little less. Pay yeah, you get a little less pay because you're sitting behind a desk. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. So, um, so Methuen has been having all kinds of problems. They're talking about a state receiver, talking about a fiscal oversight board, and we've all seen this movie before. I keep saying it because I was there when it happened in Lawrence, 1989, 1992, somewhere around that time in Lawrence. The same dynamic was going on. Everybody on the council had a conflict. Everybody on the council was protecting their own little fiefdom and their relatives that had jobs and all this stuff. And everybody was getting raises. Nobody was even reading the contracts. And then all of a sudden, there was no money. And they said, what do we do? We got to borrow money. So they started borrowing money, but they couldn't keep up with the, with the payments. And then the following year, they had a deficit, so they had to borrow more money. And the next thing you knew, Lawrence was in receivership. The next thing you know, a couple, 10 years later, the schools are completely taken over by the state. 
and it's it's never ever going to go back. I mean, Lawrence has a two hundred and eighty or two hundred ninety million dollar budget, and they only take in forty million dollars in property taxes. Yikes! So no matter what you do in Lawrence now, because of the way they screwed it up back in the eighties and nineties. It's never going to come back. It's never going to be self-sufficient ever. And you really can't raise taxes eight <laughs> times to be able to cover your debt. It's not reasonable. Right. And so what you're starting to see, if you drive through Methuen these days, a lot of for sale signs going up. Mm. And, you know, you would think that a lot of people, most people don't pay attention to politics. They don't. Most of them don't watch their local city council meetings. Most people don't even read the newspaper. But they're hearing. They're hearing on the street. They're hearing at Dunkin' Donuts when they're getting their coffee. The Methuen's in big trouble, and the taxes are going to be going up, and people are fleeing. They're putting the, those for sale signs are going up like crazy all over Methuen. And that's a snowball that rolls downhill. I, I think, you know, I, I just want to address a couple of things that happened at the meeting the other night. I don't know if it was it last night, the night before, it was Tuesday night, right? What's today, Thursday? Today is Thursday. All right. All day. I, I, I get almost no sleep, so I, can, I never, never remember what day I'm in. So there's a couple of things that went on. So the, the city... Solicitor, city auditor, Tom Kelly, told one of the Boston papers that he warned the city council about these police contracts, that there were two city councils that he told that these were bad contracts, but he wouldn't say who they were. So now there's a big move afoot to find out who the two councilors are that were told. First of all, he shouldn't have told two councilors. He should have been in an open meeting telling all of the councilors and the public during the vote, like you're taking up this vote, he's sitting right there. I don't know why he had to whisper to two counselors, if you believe his story, I'm not too sure I do. But let's just say it's true for a minute. Why would he do that instead of at the open meeting say, hey, you know, before you vote on this, next year, this is going to go up to $400,000 for captains. The chief's going to be making half a million dollars. We can't, we can't sustain that. Right. And maybe you guys might want to think about maybe, I don't know, voting no and renegotiating these contracts. Sounds like Monday morning coaching, not right. quarterbacking, but right. coaching. So now he, we're where we are. And he told the Boston Press, he told two councils, now everybody wants to know who the two councils are. So Tuesday night, uh, Jess Finicaro, God bless her, she does great work on the council, says, I want to know who the two are. I think we ought to be able to ask the city auditor, he works for us, he works directly for the city council, who are the two councils you told? Joyce Campignon stood up from her chair and started screeching into the microphone. This is ridiculous. You're picking on him. Why are you being mean to him? I think I'm we not found gonna... one. We <laughs> found one. <laughs> <laughs> and she went on and on and on. And I, I, if Jessica Finicaro decided to make a motion to save babies from burning buildings, three members of the council would kick the crap out of her. Everything Jessica says, they, 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 they pick pile on her. But Joyce Campignon stood up paced, yelled and screamed, and then Charter objected and interrupted the whole meeting. And not one, not one member had anything to say. They just moved on like it didn't happen. It's ridiculous. Now listen, I like Joyce Campagnon. I shouldn't even have to say this, but I do. This is not about me picking on Joyce Campagnon. Please stop sending me emails saying, why are you being mean to Joyce? I'm not being mean to Joyce. She stepped into the public arena. She has a responsibility for the taxpayers. I have a responsibility to call her out when she's wrong. She's wrong. She's wrong about this. She made sure, 100% sure by charter objecting, that no one was going to find out who those two counselors were that were told, if we believe that Kelly told people. So then the question from the chair becomes, well, what, uh, before that happened, um, she asked the city attorney, um, legally, can we ask him publicly who the two counselors were? I don't know where we stand legally on this. 
And his answer was, he works for you. You're within the law. You're within your right. You're within your responsibility as a city council. Well, he was talking about town business information and business. Right. So, yeah, it's on the table. And then Mr. Kelly loses his, loses his cool and starts yelling and screaming about what a victim he is. So he's talking about how he, he, he can't go out to dinner with his family at a restaurant without people coming over and making snarky comments to him and giving him a hard time. And like, as if he's a victim. And, and basically saying, he basically said, without saying it, that if they ask him, he's not going to tell them. Right? And he, so he, he's a member of the media now. He's right. protecting his sources. Right, yeah. So, so, so he sits there and he starts citing the dumbest argument I've ever heard for what's going on, that, that this could violate someone's privacy. Wait a minute. You're a public official paid for by the public to deal with public business. They didn't tell him a secret. He told right, them the secret. Right. And so he's a public official dealing with public documents, telling a publicly elected official about a public contract that was publicly negotiated. And somehow you think privacy comes into this? Like, that's just a lie. That's, I would have fired him on the spot. I, would have, I know he's, he's retiring now. He's leaving anyway. I would, have, I would have just say, you know what? You're not, you're not retiring. You're fired. You're out. Just, just go. And it's too bad because I like the guy, but you have a job to do. You have one job, and you didn't do it. You didn't sit at an open meeting and tell the public that this was a bad contract. And if he told two counselors, shame on him. He should have told everybody. If he didn't tell two counselors, shame on him. He should have told everybody. Either way, it's on him. He's the, he's, the, he's the auditor that knew what those numbers were, and he sat at that meeting last year and allowed them to vote on a contract that he now says he knew was a bad contract, and he said nothing. He said it was a 10-minute meeting. I watched it. Is he running for anything? No, he's leaving. He's, no, he's out. He's just he's gone. He's just leaving. Could be a sign that he understands that he did something wrong. Right. So Jim Jajuga's friend, uh, Linda Campbell, who's also a friend of the show, friend of the Valley Patriots. She writes for us. She's a state rep got up and tried to convince the council to accept a $10 million borrowing measure from the state. There are only $4 million in the red. But the mayor wants $10 million so he can, like, you know, money to play with after. And Diana DiZoglio sent a letter saying she couldn't be there, but she completely opposes this idea. She completely opposes it that it should be $4 million and there should be a fiscal oversight board to, oversight, or to oversee the city's finances and contracts. So Linda made her pitch. She did yeoman's work for the mayor. She got up there and she did everything the mayor wanted her to do. The city council and the school committee were both there. Every single member of the city council said, we're not for this. Every single member of the, city, uh, of the school committee and city council both said, we're not for this. Not one elected official among both boards said, yeah, this is a good idea. Borrowing 10 million. Borrowing 10 million, having a fiscal oversight, having an overseer. So... Are they more concerned, do you think, with the <laughs> fiscal oversight, or are they more concerned that they don't want to owe an additional $6 million? Some of them on one, some of them on the other, and some of them were unhappy that if we go into fiscal oversight, we're not going to have any power. You're going to take our power away. Ah. And we're not going to have any power. Power is payment. And one of the things, before we move on on this topic, one of the things I think got totally lost in all of what was discussed, because it was ugly. It was like watching the sausages get made. It was really ugly. But I think what got lost is it was ugly because this is the first Methuen City Council in decades that has demanded transparency. So when you're turning the lights on and you see all the cockroaches scurrying, you don't blame the guy that turned the lights on. And these people turn, save for Joyce, who doesn't want any transparency, doesn't want anything to come out. The rest of the council, 
They're doing yeoman's work, even the ones I don't like and get along with. They're doing yeoman's work by asking line by line through the budget, what does this mean? Why is this raise in here? Why is this contract in here? Where can we cut? And through that process, we've learned about the corruption. We've learned about the conflicts. We've learned about the bad contracts. We never would have known. And I think a lot of people are blaming this council because the council is now looking like a shit show. Forgive my French. But let's give them the credit because if not for them opening up the budget to transparency, look, they could have done what they did last year when Jamie Atkinson was head of the council. They could have gotten the budget, voted on a bottom line number, had a 10-minute meeting, and everybody goes out to dinner afterwards. And nobody would have known anything that was going on. So as much as we're criticizing what some of the councils are saying during this meeting and how the meeting unraveled. Sounds like it'll be a net positive. Yeah, let's not lose sight of the fact that the reason all this is happening is because they had the fortitude to be transparent and open everything up, knowing that there would be arrows coming their own way. And I think that from Jen Kinnan, who's the council uh, president, all the way down, they all deserve credit for that at least. So um, they ended up adjourning that meeting without taking a vote at all because not one person was for it, so nobody would even make a motion. And, uh, and that, was the, that was the end of it. They just, they, they voted no. I mean, they, they voted to adjourn the meeting without even a vote on the $10 million. And the mayor, not real happy about it. He lost his temper at least five or six times during that meeting, yelling and screaming at people, pulling the same, oh, you're just being mean to me. Uh, this is all personal. Listen, it's not, I, I can't speak for everyone on the council. From what I watched, none of it looked personal. It was all about city business. And the last thing I'll say on this Methuen thing, John. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> well, at least from what I saw. Maybe there's people there that have a personal grudge. I don't know. But from what I saw, it did not, none of it looked personal. Um, and then I lost my, my, last, uh, my last thought on this. Um, you were saying the last thing you're going to say. Yeah, I know. But then I lost it. Um, it but but it, it, the, the meeting was a very big eye-opener. Oh, for the public. A member of the public got up. We call him Brush Guy, Ryan Dugan, got up. Um, and said, you guys are all sitting here. Mr. Kelly said at least one of the incumbents that's sitting here was one of the councils he told. Mr. Ch Ms. Madam Chairman, why don't you just ask the mayor who's a former, because it's supposed to be one former council and one current council, why don't you ask the mayor and ask all of your city councilors to just say whether it was them? Why do you even have to ask Mr. Kelly? Why do we have to go through that? Just, we're all sitting here in the room, just ask. So... Ten minutes after that, they had moved on a little bit, and he got up and he started to leave, and Jen Kinnan, the council president, says, are you leaving? Don't leave because I'm going to ask your question. So he said, look, I have a job to get to, but I'll call in late for my job if you promise me you're going to ask that question. She never asked the question. Oh. Instead, she decided to try and ask Tom Kelly, who he told, rather than asking the council as if they were the ones being told. And that's when the whole Joyce thing happened, and then the charter objection, and then nobody can talk about anything. So it, it is a shit show. And the Methuen Council, it was as entertaining as can be. It was the best, best council meeting I've watched in a long time. I just want people to remember, A, give the council credit because as bad as it looked and as much of a circus as it looked, we wouldn't know about any of this stuff if they hadn't opened it up, if they hadn't allowed this to happen, even though they knew it would make some of them look bad. Uh, the other thing we have to remember is the mayor continues to say, I inherited this mess. No, Mr. Mayor, with all due respect, you were a city councilor who voted on a contract that gave your kid a raise. You were, you were a city councilor that voted for these police contracts. And even though the, there's a loophole in the law that lets you do it, you still didn't have to, right? There were five of nine councils that had a conflict of interest. 
There's this thing called the rule of necessity. I call it the rule of corruption. It says if you don't have a quorum because of conflicts of interest, people with the conflicts can vote. But it doesn't say everybody has to vote. Jim DeJuga could have still sat in the back room. Jen Kinnan could have come out and voted. They would have had a quorum, and it all would have gone through. Lynn Vidler could have come out and voted. Jim DeJuga didn't have to come out and vote. It doesn't say they all have to come out and vote. All you needed was one more member. So it could have been anybody. They could have rotated. They could have had Steve. They could have had uh, uh, um, uh, Lynn Vidler come out and vote on a contract that had nothing to do with police, and then have somebody else come out and vote on a contract that had nothing to do with DPW if they had a conflict with DPW. But they didn't do any of that. They all got together. They had a 10-minute meeting. Everybody voted for all these contracts, all of these raises, knowing that there wasn't enough money the next year coming in. And now he has the nerve to sit there and say, I inherited this mess. I'm sorry. The former mayor deserves some of the responsibility, but the council's supposed to be the check and balance of the mayor. And they didn't do their job. They just didn't. And as a result, two members of that council are now working for the town. Now, the law says if you're on the city council, you have to wait a year before you can get a city job. They waived it. Yeah, they waived it. They said, no, no, no. There's nobody else on the planet can do these two jobs. They got a special uh, uh, piece of legislation, home rule petition, that they had Linda Campbell carry through the state house. The legislature voted to allow them to do it. So does that make it legal? Yeah. Does it make it right? Absolutely not. In fact, if you ask me, Mr. Jonathan, that makes it worse. They had to jump through hoops to give these guys jobs. And by the way, these two guys were city councilors that voted for every one of these raises and every one of these contracts, and then they got jobs out of it. Uh, I, th- I think there should be a criminal investigation. I really do. Well, that is I, the definition I, of corruption. I right think, uh, listen, and I've been, I've been trying to sound the alarm bell about what was going on in Methuen for the last three years. Nobody wanted to listen. Everybody always tries to make it like, oh, you're just being personal because you don't like certain people on the council. There's always an excuse to not accept the information. But go back and read the Valley Patriots September a year ago, October two years ago, and read the notebook items where I keep saying, Methuen is about to become Lawrence. They have budget hearings and nobody asks millions and millions of dollars. Nobody asked one question. It was a 10-minute meeting. They just accepted everything and rubber stamped it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But hopefully now we're going to get to the bottom of it. I'd love to see criminal investigation. Probably not going to happen. If it does, it'll be Martha Coakley, who's friendly with the mayor's office, so that's not going to result in anything. Um, I'd l- it's going to be very interesting to see where all this ends after it's all over. After it's all settled and we're you know, somewhere in September, October, and this is all behind us, it'll be interesting to see if there's actually going to be a criminal investigation and indictments. It's going to be interesting to see if um, anyone wants to really just investigate anything about what happened. I, I have a feeling it's all just going to go away. Everyone's just going to drop. Everybody's going to say, okay, well, it's over now. We're just going to move on. So, anyways, what do we got for time here? Uh, 319. All right, Mr. Jonathan. So, uh, you've joined us, obviously, not to talk about Methuen stuff, uh, but to talk about some national stuff. And I've got a couple of national stories. First being, since she's, since she's been the topic of the uh, show uh, the last couple of weeks, Stormy Daniels, the porn star. My favorite. Yeah. I mean, before we even begin, I think it's amazing that. The media attacked Donald Trump for sleeping with a porn star, but now they're hailing the porn star as a hero. Uh, that's very confusing to me, because Donald Trump's a bad guy because he was married and he slept with a porn star. But the porn star, who's literally a slut, who sleeps with strange men for money, multiple men, sometimes at the same time, allegedly, she, she, she's the hero. She's right. the hero, right? Well, she got arrested yesterday. 
She got arrested in Ohio. Police say Daniels was busted after allegedly touching three different undercover vice police officers during her performance at the Sirens nightclub in Ohio in violation of state law. Well, so, clearly she was targeted. Well, yeah, it, it's obviously a conspiracy, right? So a lot of different states have a lot of different laws. In Massachusetts, if you go to a strip club, it's no contact. So they can't sit on your lap while they're giving you a lap dance. They can't touch you. If you go to New York, they can. You go to New York, you go to a strip club in New York, there can be physical contact, but the law in New York is only if there's no alcohol present. So if you go to a strip club in New York that has alcohol present, there's no contact. If you go to, we know because we went and we tried a couple of them just to see what would go on. Um, you know, for research yeah, purposes research, only. Of course. And, uh, and if you go to a strip club that has full contact, there can be no alcohol. They anywhere can't, they in the club. Anywhere in the club. You can't bring it with you and they can't serve it at a bar. So every state's different. She's a stripper. She's in Ohio. She starts touching the patrons. Apparently, three of the patrons that she touched were undercover vice police officers, and they arrested her. What's her first go-to? Conspiracy. Yeah. It's because I'm being mean to Donald Trump. It, it's not because I touched the patrons in violation of the law. It's because I'm, I'm, because I'm suing Donald Trump. Yeah. There's an awful lot of a, there's a bit of a theme so far to today's show that people can get out of their bad behavior if they can prove, at least to themselves, that they are, in fact, a victim. Right. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. If we can blame someone else, I always love other people do it. I always love, well, Bush did it, or like that guy did it. Well, how come those guys are doing it and you're not saying anything about them? As if, like, imagine you rob a bank and the cop catches you. You go, wait a minute. How about all these other guys that have robbed banks? D.B. Cooper did it. Yeah, you can't arrest me. Other people have robbed banks. Why are you arresting me? Uh, That doesn't fly. You break the law, you break the law. If you think that the law is not evenly being enforced, fine. Maybe you can make that kind of an argument later on after you plead guilty to what you did. Sure. And pay the penalty for it. Then you can say, well, how come you didn't go after Jim? He robbed a bank too. But I don't, I don't understand this other people did it stuff. And I don't understand. I think kind of what she's claiming here, if you read this story down into deep into the last paragraph, is that like this is something that it's against the law but never really enforced. Right? We have all those like, like we all break the speed limit. But if you're only going five miles over the speed limit, they don't pull you over. But imagine like you're going five miles over the speed limit and a cop does pull you over. You don't go, hey, wait a minute. Right? Every, everybody else does Everybody it. else is doing that it. That isn't going to be your it? argument in court. Yeah, you're not going to win that in court ever. You're never going to win that in court. And that apparently seems to be Stormy Daniels. Quite frankly, I don't even understand why we're calling her Stormy Daniels. I can't remember what her real name is. We should be calling her by her real name and shaming her to all the people that knew her growing up. That's what I think we should be doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm I mean, you. the same news industry that tells us that Donald Trump is mean and evil because he slept with a porn star is telling us that the porn star is really a hero and, and she's an icon for young women everywhere and she's just trying to feed her family, I guess. And because, yeah. she's, because she's suing Donald Trump, she's the good guy? Like, he's bad for sleeping with her when he's married and cheating on his wife. But she slept with a married man. There is that. apparently that's okay. For, to CNN, anyway. <laughs> and, Sorry, and I was a, trying to hold that a, in. a vast majority of the uh, news media. Yep. It's okay. So, all right, we're at, we're at uh, 323. All right, so I'm going to pick up one more short topic, Mr. Jonathan, and then we've got a big topic afterwards. So there is, let's see, where was this? This was in Omaha, Nebraska. A bunch of people made handmade signs in Omaha, Nebraska that said, this is a notice. It is your civil duty to, to report and turn in all illegal aliens with the phone number 
for ICE, for people to call if they know illegal aliens. And so, of course, of course, of course, uh, some residents, of course, those who are in favor of not having a constitution and having illegal aliens, are calling the signs hateful and offensive. When did advocating enforcing the law become hateful and offensive? Well, if you're a criminal, maybe. If I put up signs that say, if you know a drug dealer, please call the Lawrence, please call 911, that might be hateful and offensive to the drug dealers. But to the rest of us, I think that's just like part of like, I don't know, free speech in America. So now there's this big investigation. Like, I want to know who it is that has to investigate this because it's ridiculous. How is that even eligible for an investigation? Because it's illegal. Right. Aliens. The, (laughs) the, The word at the very beginning of that phrase is illegal. Right. Aliens. Right. So if we're going to report things that are illegal, right. there is nothing to investigate. Right, exactly. There's, there's a law in place, and if you know of someone breaking the law of any kind, here is the number to report it. But as Martha Coakley said when she was running for governor of Massachusetts, it's not illegal to be illegal in Massachusetts. And this is the kind of political doublespeak that is the reason why most people don't vote. Because they listen to this stuff, and it makes absolutely no sense to anybody with common sense. Does it depend on your, what your definition of is? Right. Is? It depends on what your definition of is is. So I don't understand why they're doing this, but they are. There's this big investigation going on because it's supposedly hate speech. And by the way, if there's any snowflakes listening, um, hate speech is um, a fantasy. There's no such thing as hate speech. There's no such thing as hate speech. It's made up. You have free speech rights in this country, and everything you say can be interpreted as hateful by somebody listening. It certainly could. It doesn't matter what it is. I could say I like Gilligan's Island, and someone who hates Gilligan's Island and thinks somehow it's got racial undertones or whatever they have in their head, they can subjectively believe that that's hateful. That doesn't make it hateful. The people that believe that that is hate speech, I believe, are racist. Because in their mind, mm-hmm. they think everyone holding a sign is holding a sign to report all of the brown people that right. are coming over the border. The reality is, if you have someone who snuck in from Canada, from Ireland, and he's here illegally, right. he should be reported. Right. He is breaking the law every Absolutely. bit as much as the guy coming over from Mexico. At, at least the guy from Mexico, I can understand why he's leaving. Yeah, he's he, leaving because his country's a crap hole. He crossed over from El Salvador. I get it. Right. I know why he's here, and I don't blame him personally. He's breaking the law, and he needs to go back. But the guy from Ireland, I think, is, is a worse case. Right. Yeah. Listen, I would rather deport... A white guy from Ireland who's beating his wife who's here illegally than a Dominican guy who's not breaking any laws, working hard and trying to provide for his family and is trying to have the American dream even though he's here illegally. Most people on the other side don't want the average person in the middle to realize that there are two groups that we're talking about. We're talking about immigrants who came here legally and immigrants who came here illegally. And they purposely use the word immigrant to mean both groups. Right. So that if you're saying that you want to deport illegal aliens, they say you hate immigrants. Well, we don't hate immigrants. We don't hate anybody. We just want the people who are here illegally to go home. And I've said, my conservative friends hate it when I say it. I'm going to say it again. My personal belief is if you're here illegally and you're not causing problems, I have no problem with you staying. I have no problem with giving you resident status so you can work and you can pay taxes and come out of the shadow. I'm all for that as long as we get a wall. And we deport the people causing, causing crimes. If you're beating your wife, if you're molesting your kid, if you're drunk driving and you kill someone, I'm Dealing sorry. drugs. And the analogy is this. I used this. I was at Lawrence High School giving a talk. And uh, one of the kids was a real wise guy and asked me what, why I supported Donald Trump. 
we started talking about illegal immigration. So here's a white guy talking to all Latino kids at Lawrence High School about Trump and illegal immigration. Yeah, what could go wrong? Um, and I said this. I said, well, why don't you guys think of it this way? You guys throw a party, right? You guys are all kids. You probably have parties, right? You throw a party, and a couple of guys come to your party that weren't invited. But they're not causing any trouble. They're getting along with everybody. Maybe they even brought their own soda pop, whatever. You're probably going to let them stay, right? But let's say you throw a party and two guys show up that weren't invited and they start pouring beer on your couch and they start breaking windows and they start having a fist fight with people in your living room. Aren't you going to look at them and go, hey, look, you're not even supposed to be here in the first place. Get the hell out. And that's how I feel about immigration. I think that's how everyone should feel about immigration. If you're here illegally, look, ideally everyone should go back home and start over. But the practicality is that's probably not going to happen. So the people who are here illegally, you're here illegally, you want to stay, you keep your nose clean, you're a guest in my country. I'm act, ha- act accordingly. Right. I'm happy with you staying if you continue to act like a guest. And I'm even okay with letting you have resident status, having some kind of a tax ID number to pay taxes, work and support your family and strive for the American dream. Now, when you have kids, your kids will be American citizens. And I'm okay with your bloodline staying here. I really am. And I think most Americans, even Trump supporters, feel the same way. Yeah. But if you're a criminal, you got to go home. And if you're out there holding signs at the Lawrence Registry saying, we demand free, free driver's licenses, I'm sorry, you got to go home too. That might not be against the law, but that's kind of a slap in the face to your, your host country. Right. I'm sorry, you got to leave. That's just how I feel. So I don't, know, I don't know how these signs that say, call ICE if you know any illegal aliens in Omaha, Nebraska, I don't know how that's hate speech. I don't know how that's even worthy of an investigation. I don't even know why it's How do you even make the news is well, my question. I was just going to say that. I don't even know why it became a news story. Um, when my father was killed and they got found not guilty on a technicality, I put signs all up and you should have seen the, you should have seen the news deal with that situation. I put signs all over Lawrence with their pictures saying, you are cop killers, stay out of Lawrence. Now, my point wasn't, if you don't stay out of Lawrence, I'm going to kill you. My point was, you're not welcome here. You did what you did. You got away with it, but just please don't come back. And you should have seen four, five, and seven. They wanted to try to turn it into a racial thing. They tried to turn it into a threat. They were knocking on my doors. Were you threatening them, Mr. Duggan? You ever see those news broadcasts where they're knocking on someone's door and they're peeking out the window? That was me peeking out the window. I'm not answering that. Are you kidding me? But you have the free speech in this country. You still have a First Amendment to say what you believe to be true. For now. To put up flyers that you, if you're, if, you're not, if you're putting up a flyer that says, kill Jim Smith who lives at 12, you know, Jones Street, that's a threat. That's not free speech. That, that's exempt from free speech. But if you're just saying, hey, you're not welcome in this community, the, it happens all the time. You have a sex offender who gets out and someone finds out they're in their neighborhood and they put his picture on a flyer and they put it all over the neighborhood. Is that threatening to the guy? Yeah. Could it be um, that as the result of that flyer, the guy could get his ass kicked? Yeah. But you have the free speech right to do it? Yeah, you do. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a free speech absolutist. We have a First Amendment. It says what it says. It doesn't say what it doesn't say. And we need to be following it. But anyways, uh, I got a really big topic I want to talk about that has to do with the news and Infowars and CNN. I think it's going to be right up your alley. Uh, let's take a quick break, though, Ed. It's Ed, right? Did I get that right? You got that right. Wow. The voice of Satan. The vo- well, I, we called him the voice of purgatory <laughs> last week. Make sure you um, take care of our advertisers. They're the reasons why we're here. Especially Joey Zingales over at Team Zingales uh, Century 21. If you're buying or selling a house in Methuen because you're worried about what's going on, 
He's the guy to call. A&M Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there. He does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three, South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Then we got Joe Zingales, Rosanna Zingales Lopez from Century 21. They have been with us from the very first edition of the Valley Patriot. They've been with us from the very first Paying Attention show, which was in 1999, back when he was Remax. He's not Remax anymore. Now he's Century 21, Teams and Gallus. And they sponsor our bash. They gave a $1,000 scholarship this year. They gave a $2,000 scholarship last year. And that money comes right out of their pocket. That's not like they're collecting money from other people and just using it like I do. They actually took money out of their pocket. So I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person in your short, I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha- so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed, make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's in advertising now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, he specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dare's Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was the credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. They're ads because he hurts. That's not the kind of person I want to do business with. By the way, that comment was not about the, the ad that just ran. That was about <laughs> something we were just talking about. I don't want you guys to think that at all. We were talking about a local car dealer that I don't like. Uh, so welcome back to the Paying Attention podcast. Hi, atop. 
Two Guys Smoke Shop here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Mr. Jonathan, there were a number of other shows that record here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe that you guys broadcast. One of them is The Ash Holes. One of them is Political TNT, which is my favorite one. But tell us what some of the other ones are, because I think we should probably be helping each other out and doing cross-promotions. Sure. And, and I, I'm always willing to share the love, always. Anybody Appreciate who follows that. me and knows what I do knows that I like to do that, even if I'm not getting anything out of it. Uh, well, Rising Tide raises all ships, so I think we can all help each other. We've got uh, a new podcast that started last week called Ambitious. And that's uh, with Katie Boyd. She is a... She's got to be cute with a name like Ambitious. She's very pretty. And uh, she's a former pageant queen. And right up my alley. And is now um, helping people be okay with their body type. She's very anti-body shaming. Mm-hmm. But she's also a big advocate for getting yourself healthy. And, but also keeping it realistic. You know, you're not, myself, I'm never going to be... A, a 32 ever again. Right. Like I'm going to be a 34 the rest of my life and being okay with that, but also changing my diet so that I can be as healthy as possible. Yeah. And that's, that's the direction. That See, when goes. you're as ugly as I am, worrying about your body is really not even, <laughs> you know, there's, there's not even, I have no, I have no shame at all about my body because look how ugly I am. So at that point, really, what does it matter? We also have the flagship of uh, the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, which is the Cigar Authority. That was our first podcast Ooh. started uh, almost nine years ago. Uh, we get about uh, 2 million downloads a year wow. on that podcast. Uh, it's about cigars and uh, dick and fart jokes. So if you're into any of those three things, All right. it would be up your alley. All right. So when you told me that we were the third highest show uh, here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, we got like something like 47,000 downloads. Yep. Uh, I thought like maybe another 50,000, I'd be close to the top. But you guys get 2 million, so I got a long way to go. 2 million a year, yeah. It's, oh, uh, that's it's, crazy. It's a monster. That's crazy. Well, we want to encourage you to go to uh, Studio 21 um, uh, Podcast Cafe on uh, YouTube, right? It's on YouTube. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes. All of them, right? Uh, yeah, and you can Speaker. go to studio21.cafe. If you'd like to check out the list of shows that are hosted here at Studio 21. Excellent. So I've got a show. I've got a, uh, a story here. I think this is right up your alley because we've talked about stuff like this. Um, <coughs> the headline is CNN lobbies. CNN lobbies. Right there, we should just stop. Why is CNN lobbying for anything? You're a friggin' news organization. You should be reporting. Report the news. They can't even do that. But now they're now they're now they're lobbying. CNN lobbies Facebook to shut down. InfoWars. Now, if you don't know what InfoWars is, there's a guy named Alex Jones. He's a puppet for Vladimir Putin. He runs a news organization called RT, Russian TV. And he, his job is to get Americans to distrust their government. And everything that he reports has to do with getting us to distrust our government, whether it's distrusting the police, distrusting our elected leaders, um, distrusting certain elected officials, that's his job. His job as a puppet for Vladimir Putin is to put out news, stuff that looks like legitimate news, and a lot of it is, um, in order to sow dissension within the country, right? And even if it was legitimate news, how they word things, you know, Donald Trump says. Right, yeah. And they make it sound like he's saying it, but it's not really true. Right. They reported it accurately, but... Right. So CNN wants Facebook to shut down InfoWars, which is the... Online version of RT. It's kind of like they do special stuff sure. on InfoWars, right? So InfoWars is all about conspiracies and chemtrails and all that stuff. Some of it's real. Some of it's not. But for CNN, 
who hasn't told the truth in five years about any story they've ever covered. I think you're being generous there, but. To call someone else, anyone else, for any reason, fake news, and then actively lobby Facebook to take them down, just strange credulity. Very interesting, since the uh, organization that was first called fake news is now pointing the finger and calling someone people. else fake right. news. Right, so don't call us fake news. We found somebody worse. Please focus on them. Right. <laughs> Going back it's, to our last conversation. It's not my fault. It's right? their fault. Other they people are too. robbing banks. Why are you focusing on me? Yeah. So apparently they've lobbied now three times to Facebook. Uh, there's a guy named Darcy. Let me see if I can get his first name for you. His name is um, and Oliver Darcy. Um, he's a senior media reporter. He's not even like a, an executive. He's a senior media reporter for CNN. Uh, not satisfied. The first two times, Darcy asked Facebook product specialist Sarah Sue why Facebook allows InfoWars to operate a page when it, quote, is notorious for spreading demonstrably false information and conspiracy theories on a host of issues. Maybe conspiracy theories like Donald Trump's a Russian spy for Vladimir Putin. Maybe... Um, false news like Donald Trump can't win the election. Oh, wait, Donald Trump can't win New Hampshire. Oh, wait, Donald Trump's going to drop out by South Carolina. Oh, but he'll never win Super Tuesday. Wait, Ted Cruz is going to take it away from him at the convention. It's going to happen. He'll never beat Hillary Clinton. Oh, wait, he, he beat Hillary Clinton? Okay, the, um, the, the Electoral College is going to get together. Remember the th- oh, two weeks yeah. of stories? The Electoral College is going to get together and they're going to overturn the election. For two weeks, they said that. Conspiracy theory. None of it, not one bit of it, turned out to be true. Not even one word of it turned out to be true. And yet they're saying that anyone else is notorious, quote, for spreading demonstrably false information and conspiracy theories on a host of issues. I watch CNN every day in my office if I'm in the office. And I scream at the TV all day. You've got Club Girl. What's her name? Uh, uh, the one that's on in the afternoon. I call her Club Girl. You have a, a lot of unique nicknames for people. Yeah. It's why, it's why I relate to Donald Trump because he kind of does the same thing, but I've been doing it much longer. Well, we call her Club Girl. Uh, Brooke Baldwin. Okay. We call her Club Girl because she's, she's that girl at the nightclub that's sitting at the bar by herself at last call because all the hot guys that went over and tried to pick her up all night, she didn't think were good enough for her. She ends up going home alone because she's not really quite as hot as she thinks she is. That's why we call her. That's why we call her Club Girl, right? Um, from from Club Girl to Wolf Blitzer to Anderson Cooper to Don Lemon, I watch them all. I watch them almost every day if I'm in my office. You're a glutton for punishment. I well, here's the thing. I don't like Fox because I agree with most of their opinions, and it's very easy for them to suck you into stuff because I agree with their opinions. And I hate Sean Hannity because he's a cheerleader. I hate any cheerleaders. Uh, I w- I will watch Tucker. Tucker's the most brilliant person in television right now. But other than that, I have, to, I have to watch CNN because I want to know what the average idiot who thinks they know stuff, where they're getting their information and where their thought process is coming from. So when I'm having a conversation with a millennial about politics and they start using certain phrases, I know exactly where they got it. They got it from CNN. But I also know exactly how to counter it because I watch CNN. There you go. So it puts me in a position where we're on equal footing because we're both watching the same shows, Right. And every single day, it's just a lie after another lie after another lie. It's Donald Trump's a lying liar. Breaking news, Donald Trump's a lying liar who lies. And today he lied saying yesterday's lie was true. Here for a two-hour panel discussion, Anderson Cooper to talk about the lie. That's not news. I don't care what anybody says. That's not news. And yet they have the, the nerve, 
the nerve to try and shut down InfoWars. Now, I hate InfoWars. I'm going to say that right out front. Anybody post something from InfoWars on my page, usually the first time I'll take it down and ask them to stop. If they do it again, I unfriend them. I don't want any of that propaganda on my page. However, there's a lot of stuff InfoWars says that's true. Now, it's true, and they're using it for a political end like CNN does, but it's still true. It's not false. It's not fake news. And yet CNN thinks that they're the arbiter of what's fake news and what's not fake news, given what they report every, or pretend to report every day. Do you think that there could be a news organization that could support a 24-hour news cycle and report nothing but the news without an agenda? I have long said, if I had a rich friend that wanted to make way more money than he has, and he started a cable news station and put me in charge, I, I'm not even sure I'd want to do, like, be in front of the camera, just put me in charge, we would call it the JN Network, Just News. But there isn't enough news. There's tons of news all over the country. You start off with there's a shooting in Chicago, a cop got shot. Then you go to a Chicago affiliate and have them tell the story. Then, okay, there's a tornado in Nebraska. There's a rancher who's having problems in Texas. Um, there's, a, there's a hurricane in Florida. There's a missing kid in California. Um, there's a dispute over logging in Oregon. There's a million stories going on in this country every day that nobody ever hears about because CNN talks about one friggin' story every day. They pick one story and they talk about it all day. And they might pepper in stuff here and there for five seconds to make it look good, but the fact is they're on one story all day. Donald Trump posted on Twitter one day, Kafafi. He spelled coffee with a V. And I watched CNN for three straight flipping days talk about that. What does it mean? Was it a secret signal to Vladimir Putin? Was it a, what, what, what was it? Was it a cold? Was he falling asleep when he was tweeting? They had panel discussions. They brought in experts. And I kept thinking, like, there's no missing kids in this country you could be talking about using that time? There's, there's no Alzheimer's patients that walked away from, from a nursing home that you could put his picture up and have people, like, keep an eye out for him? No cops got shot in Chicago today? Like, there's real news going on all over the country. None of these news stations are interested in any of it because that's work. Well, and the flip side of that is there's no sexiness to a missing <laughs> kid in Colorado. There, there is something to keeping the two sides of the country separated. Yep. You know, we've got CNN pulling us in one direction and Fox News pulling us in the other. And all of my friends, and, and even if I use the most liberal ones, we are separated by inches down the line mm -hmm. in the middle. So I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that there's enough cachet to run a news organization with completely legitimate news stories all day, every yeah, day. I think I think they could do it. And if I've got a rich friend who wants to give it a shot, I'd be more than happy to do it, because I would I would make deals with different local news organizations, and not like you know a, a news organization that's nationally affiliated with anybody. I would be like the Lowell Sun, right? The Lowell Sun's breaking local news that nobody else is talking about all day, right? Every day they they put out a newspaper, and there's local news about Lowell and the Lowell area. I guarantee you, at least once a day, one of those stories would be of interest to the national public. Whether it's the Syrian refugees that they took in and the big controversy that that caused and the accusations of racism among people who want them to stay and the people that were, didn't want them to stay, you know, we, we could have talked about that. And there's stories like that in every community. There's thousands of communities, hundreds of thousands of communities all over this country that we could be talking about some of those stories. And then if you want like maybe once a day, like at midnight, you want to have like a panel discussion of not people who call themselves experts, but regular news people. 
like you pull in like a reporter from the Boston Globe, maybe a reporter from the Eagle Tribune or the Valley Patriot or the Lowell Sign or wherever, and you have them come in and just, just objectively talk about what the news was. And if they want to interject their opinion, that's fine, but say that this is my opinion. I think it could work, and I think there's a market for it, and I think America's hungry for real news. People want to know just what's really going on. Don't tell us how to think. I, I wish people would get fired for giving their opinion. I agree. I agree. I mean, you see, you that- do have the right to free speech. I'm not saying I want to limit people's free speech, but if you're a, if you are part of the media, opinion shouldn't be part of it. I had to ask you about an article you wrote in the paper mm-hmm. because I didn't know which way you came down on it because the article was written so well. Right. Not to pat you on the back, but. I didn't know which side of it you were on because right. you just reported the facts. Well, right. I, I think opinion's okay if it's labeled editorial. Right. I agree with you, Ed. Yeah. yeah. But there should be no room for that on a cable news station. Yeah. If it's a cable news... Look, if you want to say we are the cable opinion station, then fine. Give all the opinions you want. People know coming in. But when they tune in and they see a news desk and they see a Chiron at the bottom and you constantly breaking in with breaking news, they came in breaking news one day. Breaking news... Roseanne Barr made a racist tweet. I'm thinking, wait a minute, Roseanne Barr is news? Like, when did Roseanne Barr become news? Like, when did she become relevant? She's not even relevant to anything. How is this news? So then, while they're talking about it, breaking news, NBC canceled her show. So I'm thinking, okay, they canceled the show. Now they can go back to talking about real news, right? No, it was, it was all about NBC canceling the show for the rest of the day. Because there's no work involved in that. Right. You can just sit there and, and bloviate and speculate all you want, just like they speculated and bloviated over who Donald Trump was going to pick for a Supreme Court nominee, which is our next topic. So we watched the news all last week, and it was, is he going to hire a woman because it's Roe versus, Roe versus Wade might be up for debate, and if a woman is the deciding vote to get rid of Roe versus Wade, that would be a brilliant move by Donald Trump. And in the end, Donald Trump had pulled the wool over their eyes once again. He floated out the rumor that it was going to be this woman because of Roe versus Wade, which made all the news stations just talk about that for two weeks, right? And then he slipped in Kavanaugh and said, aha, see, you guys just wasted your... That was a complete waste of my time and everyone else who watched CNN for two weeks. Gotcha. Having them talk about this woman who was going to be appointed to the Supreme Court when it turned out, guess what? It wasn't. He, he fooled you again. And now they're all up in arms that this guy is, is he's Hitler. Right? Because everybody they don't like is Hitler anyway. Of course. So this guy is Hitler. He's horrible. They actually had signs saying um, Trump's, Trump's, Trump's nominee um, is a Nazi. And they were on CNN and MSNBC and they were showing these people the, the day, hours before Donald Trump announced who it was. So they didn't even know who was going to be nominated. But they were sure he was going to be a Nazi. They were sure that whoever it was, he was going to be an evil person who kicks puppies in his free time. And nobody calls them on this. Nobody calls CNN on it. Nobody goes on. See, there's conservatives that sit on these panels and none of them will call them on it. Well, then they won't get invited back. Well, that's it. You remember Jeffrey Lord, right? Jeffrey Lord was a a commentator on CNN. I used to actually like the guy. He wasn't aggressive enough, but he at least could get some of the conservative points through and balance it a little bit. And they got rid of him because he tweeted to another reporter who wrote something really horrible and racist, Heil Hitler, as if he's calling them a Nazi. But because he said Heil Hitler, and that can be taken any way a liberal wants to take it, they fired him. They threw him off CNN. Like, he's gone. While at the same time, you have Anna Navarro calling Donald Trump a Nazi every single day on CNN. 
Like, hello? So Donald Trump has nominated uh, Kavanaugh to be a member of the Supreme Court. I have to be honest with you. I wasn't happy. Really? Yeah. Not happy about it. Maybe I'm going to turn out to be wrong, and I hope that I am. But just from the preliminary of looking at who he was the day that he got nominated, he worked for George Bush. He got hired by Elena Kagan to work at, I don't know if it was Harvard or Yale. And what was the third one? There were three. Um, uh, he worked for George Bush. He got hired by Elena Kagan. I can't remember what the third. Oh, and he, and he clerked for, Anthony, for uh, Anthony Kennedy, who somehow found abortion in the Constitution when it's not there. So I just looked at those three things and went, yeah, you know, I'm not a good pick. Now, maybe he's going to turn out to be... Are the- you concerned that he's going to... Well, for starters, the, just having a new judge on the panel is not going to automatically overturn anything. No. They can't just jump in and just decide, okay, I'm going to overturn Roe v. Wade. There right. has to be a case. They've got to weigh in on something. Mm-hmm. But you know that once he, once he is seated, if he truly is an originalist, as he's claiming to be, I kind of doubt it. I think he's a globalist, quite frankly. But if he's truly an originalist, then that means that some conservative group out there is going to challenge a state law on abortion, and they're going to appeal it up to the Supreme Court to try and get Roe versus Wade overturned. And Which is only going to kick it down to the states. Right. Then you still, now you have to decide whether it's legal in your state. Right. But Roe versus Wade, by the way, should be overturned. It's bad law. I mean, the abortion is nowhere in the Constitution. The word privacy is nowhere in the Constitution. And... You had a Supreme Court that just invented it. And now the same people, Mr. Jonathan, who are saying, wait a minute, Roe versus Wade is precedent. We can't get rid of precedent. It's settled law. This is horrible. This is DEFCON. There's Con- no such thing as settled this law. This is DEFCON 1. Well, wait a minute. Slavery was settled law. There's Ples- no such thing. That, Plessy they- versus Ferguson that said separate but equal, that was settled law. And right. that was overturned by the Supreme Court. And you guys were all for that, right? So now, how is it now that settled law is supposed to be like this kryptonite where we're not supposed to ever overturn anything? Well, I love that it's a living, breathing constitution. Oh, please don't get me going. But it's not living and breathing law. Right. When right. law in and of itself, when you go to law school, it's living and breathing. Right, yeah. Well, I always tell my liberal friends, if you think that the Constitution is a living, breathing document, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Because, you know, women have the right to vote now under the Constitution, Right? Slavery is illegal now under the Constitution. If it's a living, breathing document, who knows? You get a right-wing Nazi who's going to be president someday. And the times have changed. Guess what? Now we have slavery again because you're going to get a Supreme Court that just writes in the margins and goes, yeah, they didn't really mean that. It's a living, breathing document. It's changing with the times. You no longer have a right of privacy. You no, no longer have a right of free speech. You no longer have a right to carry a gun. And by the way, I'll say it one more time. Those who listen to my show every week could probably tie in here in it. But at the same time, they're telling us Donald Trump is a Nazi and wants to exterminate Jews and is a white supremacist. They're telling us we should have gun control and turn all our guns over to Donald Trump. I'm a little confused by that. Because I'm pretty sure if Hitler said turn in all your guns, these people would not be happy about it. So it shows how full of crap they really are in the things that they say that they believe. They obviously don't believe Donald Trump's a Nazi. Because if they did, they wouldn't be advocating all of us turn our, our guns over to him. Yeah, let's disarm the general populace right. and let the government overthrow us right. completely. Absolutely. So do you have anything? Is there any, any topics uh, uh, catch your fancy today, Mr. Jonathan? I appreciate you sitting in for Paul Morano who no, bailed us last minute. It's my pleasure. I'm glad uh, that you uh, did a show today for starters. I think your, your viewers and listeners are happy about that. I don't know. I was going to take the day off because the paper came out and I'm behind on deliveries and I'm going to ton of things 
that I need to get done. Ah, what's a quick um, hour, a little break? Well, I sit know. Sit down. Yeah. Hang out with my friend Jonathan, smoke right. a cigarette. You're smoking cigars. Um, the, uh, the Valley Patriot is on the streets. Uh, I did most of the Methuen deliveries are done. My Lawrence driver has done most of Lawrence. I know Drake and Haverhill is being done as we speak. Salem, New Hampshire is done. I'm sure by tonight, Derry, New Hampshire. Um, I'm sorry, the Londonderry Post Office. By the Londonderry Post Office is like one of our best locations now. Nice. I think all the mass holes that moved to New Hampshire. I went. To, I went to. I went to Londonderry. <laughs> they all want to know what's going on in Lawrence and Methuen these yeah. days because uh, my friend Rick Belanti fills that box with 150 papers, and whenever I'm in that area, I always go and I check, and there's always like two papers left, and I fill. Nice. I refill it, and those go too. So it's, it's great to have them. But you can always download it online if you want to read it online, if you can't get a, a hard copy. We did have a little bit of a uh, breaking news in the cigar world. Oh, please tell us about breaking the, uh, cigar news. There is a, a lawsuit that has been filed uh, against putting warning labels on cigar boxes. And the argument is that cigars are dramatically different than cigarettes. Mm -hmm. There's no addictive quality to them. They're not marketed to children, never were. And you don't inhale, right? And you don't inhale. And and every single study, including the most recent three FDA studies, have proven that there is no difference in uh, your mortality rate. It, It doesn't increase or decrease your mortality rate by smoking a couple cigars a day. So anyways, the... Uh, law, as it was written under the FDA, who governs all tobacco right now, all tobacco products had to have warning labels on it. A lawsuit was filed in Texas. It got moved to D.C. And now that court has given us basically a stay of execution and said nothing can be done until it's been ruled on. So we could possibly have as much as two years before warning labels would have to go on cigar boxes. Right, so let me play devil's advocate. Because um, uh, I smoke, right? I smoke yep. Newports. It's a Surgeon General's warning. Cigarette smoke contains carbon monoxide. It used to say it could cause death, right? I don't know when they changed that. It doesn't stop me from smoking. It doesn't. So why would the cigar industry want to remove this warning when it's not going to stop one person from using the product? The reason is because you have to cover two facings on the box and part of the attraction for cigar companies is the artwork on the box. Oh, I see. Come over here and try this product. Right. And you're advertising two smokers that are walking And it probably costs money shop. to print them on the box, right? It's additional money to print everything, but they had to shrink in order to fit those warning labels because it has to be one third of that facing. They had to shrink the artwork and now the font has to change. Everything has to change. You got to retool everything to get it so that you can stand out in a cigar shop above and beyond everybody else that has to have these right. warnings. So that's the, uh, that's the main reason. And by the way, if you're an American citizen who's been here for more than 10 minutes and you don't know smoking is bad for you, you're an idiot. And really, I don't think a warning label is going to help you out. Well, and even honestly and truly, even every study that I've read, including monograph number nine, the biggest study ever done on tobacco, if you're at 10 cigarettes or less a day, there is almost no difference in the mortality rate than that of a non-smoker. Wow. What about guys like me that smoke like a pack and a half a day? It's problems. A a day. That's a it's problem. problems. Yeah. Yeah. If you could get yourself to cut down to half a pack a day, whatever damage there. you've done, you could there. halt it. Really? You could halt it. I was it. there. I was at half a pack a day about a month and a half ago, but I'm, I'm back up. Um, and it's causing me problems too. I may be losing my office over it. My landlord's like giving me a hard time and wants to evict me because I'm smoking in my office. Or he thinks I'm smoking in my office. I actually get under my car to smoke now. Now, anytime anybody lights up, guess who gets blamed? Oh, yeah. I get blamed. It's all so. you. Hey, thanks for having me on today, Listen, thanks for, thanks for being here. I actually would have preferred not doing the show, but now that we did it, I think we did a good show. So I'm, I'm glad we came. 
I'm glad we were here. Hopefully we'll have Paul back next week. I'm working on debates for the Essex County Register of Deeds race, which no one cares about, which is why I'm doing it. I think people should care about it. Absolutely. I'm working on a debate for the state rep race in Methuen and North Andover between Minicucci and Ferry. Um, and I'm working on a couple of other debates, too. I've already gotten commitments from the candidates. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some political debates here. I think that's going to be fun. But they have to spend money with us. They have to sponsor the show. They have to help us with our expenses here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Or they're not coming on. And that's just gonna, that's going to have to be the rule because... You know, we have to pay for the for the time here Certainly at did. Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We're happy to do that. We're happy for us. Not to mention my fee. <laughs> well, yeah, we have the Voice of God fee. It shows <laughs> up on every invoice that I get. So Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. Ed, thank you so much for uh, for being the producer today. You did a great job. You're welcome. Yeah, let's hear that again. That's awesome. I love this song. It's a great song. I wish you could, I wish you could get it in my car. I get everything else from him in my car except this song for some reason. We'll have to email it to you. You ever been to the Worthen in Lowell? I've not. It's a little bar in Lowell. It's awesome. Parking and everything. And we'll carry on like brothers, even though we know it's a lie. So leave with your right. Expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.